What's going on, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And we are back with our next episode of The Business of Lifting Weights. Today, we're going to talk about what is culture and why does it matter inside your gym. And how to create a better culture. Yes. Um, also, real quick, guys, I uh, just wanted to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we have received uh, about 1,100 downloads nice. um, on iTunes, which is pretty crazy considering we just started this thing. And we had no idea if anybody would even listen. Or what we were doing. <laughs> um, we also just hit the new and noteworthy section in iTunes, which apparently is a big deal. Yeah, so I know nothing about podcasts. Like, Truth be told, like I don't really listen to a ton of podcasts, but apparently that's a really big deal. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, pretty awesome. Um. Moving to today, um, one of the things that we're looking forward to chatting about is the whole notion of culture. Um, you know, it's one of the things that I know, like, we get asked about all the time, like, how did you guys get started? What was mm-hmm. the reason for opening? It's like the number one thing that people people just want to ask us casually. And um, we've always had such a difficult time putting into words, like, what our culture is. Right. Because, like, I don't think you can script a culture. I think it has to be a natural part of your DNA and the gym DNA. Absolutely. So it's really, really hard to, to, to script it and talk about it because you can't emulate what somebody else is doing. It has to be natural. But at the same time, it also has to be something that is positive, that is noticeable from the second that you walk in, and that does not get diluted no matter how long you've been open. And it's a little bit of an extension of yourself. So if you're essentially trying to create a culture that isn't really part of who you are and, and what you stand for, then you're just kind of copying somebody else. It's going to be kind of a half-assed version of it. Yeah. Um, so what we'll do is kind of take a stab first at talking about how we got started, um, our personal backgrounds, what drove us to open a gym, why we did it, where we did it, um, and just kind of kind of that initial culture when we opened that you know, got us started, got us going, and got us notoriety. Um, so Pritz and I are, uh, we've known each other for 16 years. <laughs> Something like that. That's fucking crazy, actually saying that out loud. Yeah, that's that's how long ago college was. Okay. I just got kind of actually depressed for a split second. Yeah, I had to think about what year I was in right now and then <laughs> backtrack. <laughs> yeah, so we've known each other for 16 years. Um, since we were freshmen in college, we were teammates um, at the University of Richmond baseball team. Um, really good friends in college, good friends after college. Um, we were roommates for a bit in college as well. Um, we were always road roommates, and you always wanted to sleep on the cot. I remember that. Love the cot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we had an athletic background, which is not a part of any gym culture. Any gym is rooted in athletics. Right. Um, but that's how we knew each other, and that formed the foundation for wanting to create a team environment, which um, is a big part of what we do at the gym. But as far as the actual getting together post-college, post-different professional careers, um, why don't you just talk a little bit about your kind of your story, your background, up until the point when we opened in uh, 2011? Um, well, after college, um, I played professional baseball in the Red Sox system, and um, it was an interesting lifestyle. Um, a lot of that time, I was kind of elsewhere mentally, um, you know, looking at different business ideas and just um, kind of that whole route, kind of planning for what would happen after baseball. Um, and for me, once you kind of approached me with the idea of kind of what you envisioned for P360, I was just like immediately on board. Um, I kind of had that 
team mentality through my entire life and um, I just I kind of craved that and at one point once I was done with baseball I went into the sales and marketing world and just quickly learned uh, that that was not for me I needed to get back into something athletic uh, something with that team atmosphere and and something that I was more importantly really passionate about my whole experience with the gym previously was just going in following like whatever was on a piece of paper that I didn't really understand why or what I was doing. Um, and I'd go and do like a third of that and walk out of the gym because there was no motivation. There was just like no bigger picture to it. Um, and I, I hated going to the gym. So I, I feel like we were kind of interested in creating mm -hmm. just a, an entirely different atmosphere than what was typically kind of considered a, a gym basically. It's funny. Like I think that, the jobs that we both held before we got into the fitness industry, they shape the culture of the gym because it magnifies all the terrible things that you hate about yeah. the job and that you realize like depress you as a human being. Yep. Um, like I remember 2010, I worked for inside sales, which like anybody who knows me like always laughs when I told them that I did that because like <laughs> I can't fake conversations. Yeah. That, that doesn't seem like you paid $6 an hour to do that. Um, and I remember this is, I'm not like exaggerating. I would wake up at 5 a.m. and I would sit Indian style in my shower, like <laughs> my hands in my head, just like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? At least you could sit Indian style. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember being like, this, this is not it. I want to be doing something where everything I'm, I didn't learn anything in this job. Mm -hmm. I was just following a script um, I was following a culture that basically everything that I did was just dictated to me. Right. And I had really no say in the matter. I was just a, I was a robot. Like I wasn't even a cog in the wheel. Like I was a robot. Right. And I absolutely hated that. I wanted to do something where I learned every day where I was able to teach and coach. Like I had coached baseball briefly after stopping playing it and I loved it. And I missed that aspect of the team, like you said, and with coaching, but mainly I missed like being challenged. Mm -hmm. I missed being challenged physically and also mentally. Right. And I think where you and I both had really negative gym experiences prior to opening was that you get that physical challenge, like maybe a little bit, but there's no, there's just like, it's not, it's, there's nothing deeper than that. Right. Like you just go in and you sweat and you leave and we. By kinda, yourself. Yeah. We wanted just kind of something more than that. We wanted something that was just basically like a beacon of just motivation, education, where like you came to the gym. Like Robbie, after Robbie left and moved to Germany, he coined it Fitness University. Mm -hmm. And that that's so true. It's like our whole philosophy has always been rooted in education. Right. Like that's kind of stemmed from everything. And I think that is such an important part of any business that's successful is having education be rooted in what you're doing. Right. Like even if it's like going into like – like have you ever been into Bird Rock Coffee? Yeah. Like I think their branding is amazing. Local coffee shop. Yeah, it's a local coffee shop. But you walk in and like they'll be serving the coffee and above the coffee that they serve, it's the country that it came from, the farm that it came from. It's like that native farmer's name and background. Wow, cool. And it's like it tells you everything about what you're about to drink. Right. And it just makes it such – it's like I'm learning – stuff about drinking coffee like i previously didn't think i gave a shit about that right you know what i mean yeah but like then when i go into starbucks and it's like 
hey, how you doing? Here's your coffee. See ya. There's right. no like experience to that. Absolutely. And I think that that's just such an important part of culture is that education, that like that partnership between staff and member where you're all on the same page, kind of working together, learning from one another. You're teaching, you're teaching people. You're not just showing them how to do a deadlift, but you're explaining like how that's going to just benefit them all around. Yeah. And it sounds kind of stupid, but it's just really true. I, I think it's really cool that, you know, when we have members that go, you know, travel for a month or whatever, that they're able to take what they've learned and kind of build their own workouts while they're on the road. And like, you know, they kind of know what they're doing instead of just following some stupid workout they found online. Like they're actually kind of writing their own workouts because they've been educated on, you know, what to do and when to do it and how often and stuff like that. Yeah. I actually have fun with that. I get emails all the time from people about that and people that I'm comfortable enough to say this to that I'm friends with. Mm -hmm. I'll tell them like, I'm not doing that for you. Yeah. Like you are more than capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know exactly what I would write you. So you do it. Right. And like, sure enough, they'll do it. And they'll be like, you're right. Like that just like, I got it done. I did a great workout. I just thought about like the stuff I'd learned in the gym. Yeah. That's awesome. That's just like a really like, you know, there's, that's, there's nothing unique or cool about that. That that's not like a huge culture thing, but it just plays into that fact of everything should be education based. It should be just ridiculously inspiring on all levels. Like you should, enter this facility and immediately be like, holy crap, I'm in a place that's different than other places. Right. Absolutely. And it's, it's tough. Um, it's tough to do that because everybody at the end of the day is using weights. We're doing the same movements. We're doing similar stuff. So how does your culture differentiate from everybody else's culture, from your competition's culture? And how can you create something that keeps people who want to stay for four and five years? Right. Yeah. It's definitely uh, a, a big challenge. And you know, we talk a lot about CrossFit on this podcast, and it's very important that our listeners know that we don't we don't dislike CrossFit. We don't we don't really have any issue with CrossFit. Like our whole thing is, we just never thought along those lines. Yeah. Like when people, that's the number one question that I have always had over the years is like, how come you guys didn't affiliate with CrossFit? Yeah, I get that all the time too. And you know, the reason is because we knew at the beginning that culture was going to be everything. Mm -hmm. And so in order to do something whose culture stood out in a positive way, you couldn't just be another person in line that returned a Google search results for CrossFit in Pacific beach. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you stand out? How do you stand out above and beyond that? Right. Um, and I know there was a bunch of different things like leading into our opening that we really wanted to make sure that the gym was focused on right. and education was always at the top of that. But really it was just more of like everybody is truly in this together. Mm -hmm. Um, like from the woman who's been there two weeks, who's 60 pounds overweight to the former college decathlete, like right. nobody ever, we wanted an environment where nobody ever thought that they were better or above somebody else, maybe doing different scales on the workouts, but like, Community-wise, everybody was just on the same page. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember before we even opened, like, I was walking around, um, and I stepped foot into another gym, and, it, it you know, it looked cool. I, I just wanted to see what, what was going on in there, so I stood there in the doorway, and I remember the owner was, you know, chatting with somebody, super casual conversation, and they saw me walk in, and they looked over their shoulder, looked right at my right at my face, 
and then turned away and started talking to the person again. I stood there for probably like three or four minutes, basically just gave me the the cold shoulder and was basically like, fuck you. Like, why do you think they did that? I, I To be honest, I have no idea. Like, like what's the psychological reason for that? I, I It's weird because I would be like the perfect candidate for – you know, somebody that would potentially join their gym. Like it, it, I think it has to do a lot with that, like type a personality that, you know, like we're better than you. Um, yeah, it was just a weird situation. Yeah. And it's like, that's why I have such a difficult time, like putting into words, our culture at performance 360. Right. Um, but I've learned over the years just from observing our own growth and our own success that, we do a lot of things very differently, and mm-hmm. some of it's been by nature, but some of it's been just kind of accidental, like a part of who we are as people. And that's not to say like we're we're sweet, right. but the I think the key like takeaway is that the culture has always represented who we genuinely are. Right. I mean, do you remember the first person that walked through our door? Um, I don't. Crazy Bruce. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so like you you take that experience that I had at that other gym. <laughs> Um, and you compare that to, uh, this guy, Bruce was our first member oh, Bruce. or not our first member, our first God person bless, bless Bruce. after that we opened that he walked through our door and he was sweet, sweet man. <laughs> I mean, he was an awesome dude, like, but he was mentally, he was just crazy. Yeah. Um, we he used had to, so- something going on. Yeah. We, uh, we used to catch him in the field outside the gym, um, punting footballs to himself, catching them and then <laughs> returning them. You know, a full hundred yards. Yeah. Uh, as if he was like, you know, avoiding tacklers. And he tried to play catch with himself. Yeah. Football. That's true. He did that too, a- among many other things. But and being completely jacked. <laughs> yes. Completely jacked and like an awesome dude. But like that guy walks through the gym, and like we're just completely. Literally, ex- literally, like no customers. Like we yeah. had our base that we started with, but. Nobody at that point had come in and said, hey, what's this? Can I join? Right. It was all people that we brought from my personal training business. Right, exactly. And, and I think that you know he had told you specifically, he was like, I just want to let you know that I'm not joining. I'm just taking advantage of, of your free two-week trial, yeah. which we had at the time. Homeboy was just all about transparency. <laughs> <laughs> I respected that, you yeah. know, but we let him come in. We let him do his thing for two weeks, and, um, you know, he, he was a great dude. Hold uh, on. This is like your – over, you're understating this so much. Like <laughs> when you say we, we let him do his thing, like this is when we only ran two classes, 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. So we were just dicking around in the gym the rest of the time, like brainstorming marketing, brainstorming business stuff, like trying to grow, trying to survive. Yep. And so he'd come in and straight up bench for like four hours. <laughs> like that's not an exaggeration either. He would bench and he would do deadlifts, which was incredible by the right. way. But yeah, he came in and straight monopolized – the entire gym's first two weeks of opening. Yep. Um, but like we weren't dicks to that guy and we could have been dicks. And after three days we could have just been like, Oh, the policy changed. Like right. get out of here. Right. Um, but we wrote it out and you know, that guy would pop in from time to time and like say hi. What? And when he was playing sports with himself against himself in the, in the yard, he would come by and like say hi. Yeah. And I think that's just indicative of a place that like, you know, a lot of places like say community and like, you know, and all that, but being able to, it's, e- it's easy to be cool to people who are, who are alphas and who come in and like look great in your business. Right. Really hard to not be cool for people or excuse me, really hard to not be cool to people who are less than that. Right. And who are struggling and who maybe aren't going to be putting up the best times and the best workouts. Like it's really easy to cherry pick who you're cool to, 
but what's going to take a gym from 150 people to five, 600 people is being cool to every person. Yeah. You never know, you know, he was crazy and he was what he was, but like, you know, you never know a guy like that might know a ton of people in the area and you give him a shitty experience. He's just going to talk shit about you guys. Yeah. And like one thing I can say, I tend to, I tend to think I'm a very like self-aware person and I know how my personality is and I know like how sometimes I can be perceived, but like you bet your ass that every person that's walked in there has gotten an absolute fair treatment, has gotten nothing but pure support and has gotten nothing but I expect you to come in and do a great job and you'll have full support here. Yeah. Like we never start anybody off on a shitty foot or expect them to be cast aside or anything like that. Absolutely. And I think that's just really important that, that places do that and that they focus really on that education and community across every single person in there and not just your alphas. And and that's kind of an extension of who we are and why we started this whole thing. You know, we wanted to develop that culture. Um, And, you know, a a great example is uh, my fiance is a bartender. And when she goes into work, she has to kind of pretend to be somebody else. Um, You know, no bartender loves serving. Um, You know, I've never heard anybody be like, oh, I love being a bartender. I love serving. But you have to go in and you have to put on that face. Um, And it's exhausting. And I think if we if we decided to affiliate with CrossFit and be a CrossFit gym, that's kind of what we'd be doing. We'd be putting on a show of somebody that we weren't. God, um, that's a good point. You know, when, when it, it just, that, that wasn't who we are. Like what, what specifically about that wasn't who we are? Uh, well, I mean, there's something that I like to, I kind of talk about the silent killers versus the alphas. Um, and you've got those alpha males that, you know, rip their shirts off and it's all about, kind of look at me and it's, it's just, it creates a bad environment in the gym where, um, you know, I like to consider our members kind of like the silent killers. Like they just come in, they do their work, they bust their ass, they get awesome results and they leave and they kind of continue on with their life. Um, and I, I think that's kind of a totally different experience for not only that person, but also the people that are in the class with that person. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I've always thought about it as like, you know, our culture has been one of like almost misfits. Right. Um, people who haven't really been able to fit in at other gyms to get exactly kind of what they're looking for. Right. Um, so it's creating a place that's going to, you know, if all you're doing is what everybody else is doing, then you're just going to get, you're getting a very small piece of a big pool. Right. And your culture, if you go a completely different direction and you truly make it about yourself and your beliefs and your philosophies, you're going to get a very small pool, but you're going to get every single fish in there. Yeah. So it's like you have to differentiate and you have to be yourself. And like, you know, I'm sure there's people that like roll in their eyes, like what's wrong with people taking their shirt off in the workout? Like, honestly, it really doesn't, it doesn't bother me that much. Like personally, like I don't, I don't choose to do it. Right. But there's just something to be said about like, if your environment is one that is like, just, it's so comfortable or that, where that's cool. Like so many people are turned off by that. Right. Like so many people are turned off by that. Like I remember it happened with a kid that tried the gym last year and yeah. like everybody was just so put off by it. Yeah. You could see it in their faces. And I can't really articulate like why it's a negative thing other than that. It just, you may be, have the most pure intentions working out and doing that, but to the, to the common person that signals vanity, that signals, look at me and it signals like peacocking. Right. And like, if that's cool, if that's your thing and you're destroying everybody in the workout, like good on you. But 
our whole culture has never been one that's wanted to fuck with that on any level. Right. Like we want everybody together, everybody working together and everybody, everybody as equals. Like it sounds like some communist shit, but it's like true. <laughs> we want everybody to really be equals and that if you choose to come in and work hard, like you're going to accomplish good things. Yeah. And we've had a lot of people come from other gyms and, um, one thing that they're kind of tired of is just like the cutthroat competition uh, in the workout. So you'll get people that um, you know are almost cheering and rooting for you to do poorly so that they stand out, uh, and that's the wrong way to look at the competition side. You know, we do time challenges and stuff um, occasionally here, uh, but when we do, it's all about that group kind of using each other to. Um, challenge themselves and obviously, you know, complete the workout as fast as they can. Um, but it's it's more in, in like that group dynamic where like everybody's competing, but they're also cheering for each other and like congratulating people when when they do a really good job. Um, and, and that's just like it, it's totally different from from what you see at a lot of different gyms where they're competing for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I think it's more of like. A... You know, it's not acute competition. Like, I would encourage more gyms to focus on the long-term competition. Yeah. Meaning, like, you know, what are your what's your strength level going to be over a year? How, how does how does X improve over a year? As opposed to like, let me come in and dedicate like 30 minutes to like w- winning this workout. Right. <laughs> um, that's very very gratifying on the short term, but think about if you do that all the time. Right. You're then creating a culture where that's the environment, everybody coming in, like focused solely on winning. Right. And like, Hey, if that's what you want, like you want a a culture of just like hyper competitiveness and like not a ton of working togetherness, Mm -hmm. then like, I believe you'll do reasonably well and you may, you know, settle into a couple hundred members, but I believe the way to transcend the competition and get above that is to not go that route because that's what your competition is doing. Right. And if you're just trying to be a part of like the community of gyms or the CrossFit community and just kind of fit in and do that, like I said, then that's your prerogative. But just understand what kind of people that's going to bring in. And I just, you know, this is business. Like if you're going to open up a business, you should expect to have that business do as well as possible. And that all that depends on that culture um, of education. Absolutely. And that kind of goes hand in hand with that whole no gain, no pain, no gain mentality that we talked about in a previous episode. It's just like you're if you're always going as hard as you can and just trying to beat everybody else, then you know what's the point of that? Um, like I promise you that, let's say you're doing a challenge for like a hundred kettlebell swings, yeah, um, which is one that we do. Yeah, like if you see a be a, a beginner that's like completely hyperextending in their lumbar. Um, everything is out of whack. They're just like, they're keeping their knees bent and it's just compression on that low spine on every swing. Yeah. You're going to get a different reaction from a different coach at a lot of gyms. One gym might react by a, not even knowing they're doing anything wrong. Right. You can't save that gym. Mm -hmm. B like they're aware of it, but it's more like, go, go, go. Like, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Like, you know, you're over there like trying to motivate and saying like, you know, no pain, no gain style, go through the shitty mechanics at the cost of getting more reps. Right. Whereas you are going to keep a member so much longer by going over there and saying, stop what you're doing and put the kettlebell down. Right. I want to show you how to do this so that you don't injure yourself and you set yourself up to do proper movement so that you are building the foundation to do everything right. 
Because right now, like, these reps are no good. But, Coach, you're going to ruin my time. Yeah, okay. Well, the better <laughs> thing to do is not have these people do that for time right. in the first place. Right. But, like, take weights out of people's hands. And this isn't in any type of, like, doing this as a dick way. This is purely as a teacher. So showing people how to do stuff, showing people why they're doing it, telling them why to do it. Um, it's like it kind of goes hand in hand with movements in the workouts. Right where you just like kind of throw stuff on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of places you might see movements that may be new or weird and they're on the board and members perhaps don't know what they're doing. And I know that like we do a lot of different stuff in the gym. Mm-hmm. So it is imperative that we're always answering the question of why. Why, right. And like that's what your whole gym culture should be about is answering that question of why. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I doing this? Why should I do this? What's the benefit here? How is this going to get me better? It's all just answering that why. And a lot of times if you do answer that why, even to yourself, you might realize that there's a lot of stuff that you're doing that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, you might kind of self, self-help self yourself and your programming to be like... <laughs> so allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> you know, to kind of find some flaws in what you're doing and, yeah. and make everything better. Absolutely. And... Like, I look at the examples of some of the movements that we've done in the gym lately, and I think of monster walks. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, you know, that's that movement where you have the band around the ankles and you're doing lateral walks. You know, you you show that in a class. Hey, guys, we're doing 10 monster walks. Put these around your ankles. Shuffle to the side. Okay, next thing we're going to do, they're like, what? Like, that? why am I doing that? Right. As opposed to being like, okay, guys, today we have monster walks. So you're probably wondering, like, what the fuck are these? <laughs> and what we're going to do, put this around the ankles. You're going to step precisely to the side with the toes pointed forward. We're trying to hit our glute medius here. So glute medius is going to be a smaller muscle that doesn't get quite as much work as glute maximus, but it's really important both aesthetically and it's also going to help to stabilize the hips and the spine, create proper squat function, help your knees from stabilizing, help your knees to stabilize on squats. So by doing these properly, you're going to get better squat mechanics. And if aesthetics are your thing, like you're going to get a better ass. Yep. So that's one minute more of explanation, and all of a sudden you have a class full of people that are behind what you're doing. And wanting you know, to do it. Yeah. You obviously wrote the workout for a specific reason, so let people know why. Yeah. Like if, if they don't know why they're being asked to do something, it's like anything in life. Like you're just you're not going to do it or you're going to do it in a half-assed job. Yeah, I mean we get a, a lot of people from other gyms that come and they you know, experience a couple workouts and they're like, wow – like your guys' walkthroughs are so much better. Like other gy- my other gym, they didn't even explain the movements. They just pointed to them on the board and said, "This is what you're doing today." And I totally get that. It's like you feel that pressure. Like people are in the gym. Let's get them going. Right. But I promise you, if you build a culture of people around, build a culture around people who want to learn, and you have staff in place who like to teach, like shit is just gonna explode for yeah. you. Like people are going to have the most rad experience in your gym that they've ever had anywhere. Right. Like focus on education, focus on having people know why they're doing something and that they feel like there's a true partnership in place as opposed to just like there's a, you know, it's like a, a, a VIP host who's just showing you the workout and then having you do it. Right. Um, like I follow all these like, you know, famous Insta famous people, which is our favorite term. I don't know why I follow them. Like I hate myself for following them, but I can't. It's like a bad accident. Yeah, I do too. And I'll see them like coaching a class, and these are people that are like incredibly famous in certain circles, and like they're doing the worst job of coaching like I have ever seen. Yeah. I follow a gym who has one of these women at their gym, and they actually posted the other day that let's call them Sally. 
Okay. Sally actually is coaching her 5:30 tonight, and they're making a mockery about how like she usually doesn't, I guess, <laughs> like like just standing around or like working out in the class or something like wow. that. Wow. And it's like, yeah, that's funny, but like I just find that shit whack. Yeah. Like, you should be like sweating at the end of end of like your walkthrough. Yeah. <laughs> like seriously, like you should be out of breath and sweating, like showing people explosive ass med ball slams, like put weight on the bar to deadlift. Like, show people the eccentric, show people the breathing, like, get yourself winded. Yeah, like, you see a lot of our coaches, when they're done, they're, like, actually breathing heavily and, like, having to take their time to catch their breath before they move on. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I just think that why needs to be at the at the root of everything. Like, every single thing that you do, why are we doing this? How can we show people that this will benefit them? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I look at this example in this book that I read recently that talks about <clears throat> culture and they gave an example of this Toyota dealership. And basically what was happening is Toyota dealership had really declined in sales, declined in morale. And the whole um, the whole philosophy at the dealership was like, don't stop the line. So yep. like the assembly line keeps moving forward at all costs. Like if, if something, if a, if, a, if a line worker makes a mistake, like they keep the car going. Mm-hmm. And the idea was then to pull that car once it was finished back in and then address what was fixed or fix what was incorrectly done Wow. as opposed to just like stopping the assembly line, which I guess costs 15 grand a minute. They wanted to avoid that. Yeah. So don't stop the line, let it go at all costs, do your job. You don't have any say in anything. Basically we're not even valuing the work that you do because it could be such a bad job. The line is going to continue and we'll fix it afterwards. Yeah. So it's like, there's just no, people don't feel valued number one, but they just don't feel like, there's no reason for them being there. Why am I here? Right. Like there's, there's no why to that. These people, there's no education. There's just nothing but monotony. Right. And they, then it, it's funny. Like, I guess factory workers, like party balls, like it talked about, really? how they were like making screwdrivers, your favorite term. <laughs> um, Pritz you mean doesn't, vodka, OJ? yeah, Pritz doesn't call drinks by their name. He lists like all the ingredients in them as opposed to just their name. Well, vodka OJ, you guys call them screwdrivers. It's just vodka OJ. It's a, like, what's the point? Yeah, see. Um, so they were drinking vodka OJs on the job <laughs> and, like, talking about how they were, like, blowing lines. Like, these people partied wow. in the factory shift. And I found that hilarious. But um, anyways, I'll try to condense this as much as I can. The Japanese headquarters came in. They took a lot of the workers over to Japan and showed them the way that they were now doing things where employees were encouraged to pull this switch that stopped the line. Okay. And, like – these employees were terrified to do this back in America because they thought they'd get fired. And what they quickly learned was when you gave people this autonomy to pull the line, uh, people took more pride in their work mm-hmm. because they realized that like a mistake was going to be seen. Yep. So they had to stop it. But at the same token, you, were, you weren't to feel bad about stopping it. It was just get it right and then you know, Continue we'll, we'll keep going. Yeah. Everything went up. Profits went up. The, just the whole nine yards, everything increased. Wow. And it's an analogy that's a little bit distant as far as like a, a car dealership. But a lot of it too is how you run your culture internally. Yeah. Like if you're not – if you're just treating every single person there as like a cog in the wheel, like get the 5 p.m. class, get them out. Right. Like get this coach paid, do this, get them out. Mm-hmm. Like unless you're making people an actual part of the process, like that educational process, that engaging dialogue and walkthroughs walking around, talking to members, how does this movement feel? Hey, is this the right deadlift stance for you? Or should we, should we mess around with sumo or maybe even a Jefferson deadlift? Right. Like giving people the autonomy to 
actually show their expertise as opposed to just putting them in a factory line. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, and, you know, this book kind of went on to talk about different types of cultures out there. And it was super interesting because this is one that we're kind of alluding to today is this whole commitment culture. So getting people on the same page, everybody on the same page with what you're doing in the gym. Mm -hmm. And it listed five different cultures um, that this Stanford Business Review studied. Uh, it was star culture, which is basically like a business that has an all-star team of producers. So yeah. think about like Wall Street. Um, engineering culture, which they described as like nerds drinking Mountain Dew. Yep. Um, at a computer programming, which was like Facebook right. and what you do, but you drink Monster. Um, <laughs> autocratic culture, small companies where there's one CEO who's only in charge and it's basically like the CEO says and everybody else does. Uh -huh. Bureaucratic culture, like office space where the TPS reports uh, kill me. littered with middle management where I wanted to drown myself in my shower sitting Indian style every morning. <laughs> and then this commitment culture where – um, CEOs valued their culture before the product. And okay. that was like so impactful to me. Um, you know, th there's obviously, you obviously have to be concerned about your product. That's not to say you put out a shit product. Right. But it shows the importance of that culture and everybody there being on the same page. Yeah. And when this study concluded, these commitment cultures, they outperformed all these other cultures in every single imaginable way. Profitability. They were the first to go public. They had less turnover. They had less managers. They had higher job satisfaction rate. They retained their clients for longer. They didn't lose employees to competition. They just absolutely killed it Yeah. because they created this culture where everybody bought in and was on the same page. Yeah. And if I can relate that to the example that we use at the gym, it's all about that education. Right. Like every one of our coaches is on the same page. How can I educate? Like I don't want to regurgitate. I want to educate. Right. Sounds yep. like sounds like a rap slogan. <laughs> um, so it's just like it's 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 super important stuff. Like making sure everybody's always answering that why question. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at those that you just listed off, and it's like, and I feel like we've kind of moved from different different sections of that. I feel like in years one and two, we were a little bit more of that autocratic culture mm -hmm. where we were more dictating to our coaches and to our members what was going on because we kind of had to establish how we wanted things to go. And then once it's like we like the cement hadn't really dried yet. Right, exactly. And so then uh, I feel like after we kind of paved our way in that regards, then we allowed all of our coaches to really get on board and kind of do their own thing and be a bigger part of it. And I specifically remember a turning point when that happened because you can run that autocratic culture. In fact, I recommend that people do that. Mm -hmm. It should be somewhat of a I hate dictatorship. Right. Like it should be somewhat of that to start because you have to make sure your processes and practices and your beliefs are ingrained in, in everybody there. Right. But I specifically remember a turning point for that where we had a staff meeting once and, um, you know, I know you and I were like both annoyed at like some of the playlists that the coaches would have. Yeah. And like some of them just treated them almost like a joke. And right. we made the decision, you guys aren't doing that anymore. Like we're going to go off the one gym playlist. Right. And I honestly, I didn't, I didn't think that through. Right. I remember people were pissed at that. Yeah. Like our staff was really upset by that. Yeah. And I learned a valuable lesson with that. And that's, we are now at the point where this needs to be not only a partnership, but this needs to be something where you and I are now here to support the staff and lead them, but no longer be in a position where it's just what we say is what you're going to do. Yeah. Another example of that is the walkthroughs. I think we set a lot of like ground rules of 
how the walkthrough should go and exactly what to follow. And I, I think the same kind of thing happened is coaches felt like they weren't able to express themselves and like coach how they, they wanted to coach and that hurt their performance. So when we had kind of allowed them to take a little bit more control of that walkthrough, mm-hmm. um, you know, everybody really expressed themselves and just enjoyed coaching way more and felt like it was their own product mm-hmm. or at least they were a part of that product. Complete autonomy. Yeah. And again, it goes back to like, you know, had we done that too soon, the culture of, quote, the 10-minute walkthrough would have never been born. Yeah, absolutely. And that's critical to our success. Mm-hmm. So it's like you get to the point where that's ingrained in everybody and everybody says, okay, like we're about education here. Like we're going to spend the time, we're going to spend a couple minutes going over movements, going over how to make this better for yourself um, at the cost of like delaying people's workouts. But we found – People liked that. Yeah. They want to learn. Humans want to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced about that. People in your gym, they want to learn. Yeah. So do not deprive them of that. And that's so true. Like once you give people the autonomy to do their own thing, like they just they absolutely take off. We talked about that in the first episode as far as giving coaches like their own class, their own programming, and like getting the hell out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, and one of those things, uh, one of those points that you mentioned, the bureaucratic culture. I would just highly advise any business to not be set up like this. I mean, this is the type of culture where your employees literally hate going to work for you. Um, and they will do everything they can to avoid getting shit done. They'll be on Facebook. They'll um, they'll be talking shit about the company, talking shit about the bosses and stuff like that. So what so. do you think what, – what does a bureaucratic culture mean to you? Uh, it's just it, – it's like that office space example where it's just like everybody has that role and then when you – you know, spend a certain amount of time in that role and you become good, then you get promoted to like manager or some shit like that. And it's like, if somebody is good at something, don't promote them to another job that they might not be good at. Right. Um, so, you know, kind of one of the things that we've done is instead of, you know, promoting coaches to doing something else is establish like a bonus system and a profit share so that, um, the more time that you have here and the more classes you coach, then the more piece of the pie mm-hmm. that you get. Um, and, you know, imagine what, what kind of buy-in that gets from your coaching staff. And, yeah, it's like I think where companies, small companies fall into the bureaucratic culture is they think like, I okay, this person's been with me for this long, so, like, I need to promote them for something. Right. So they're going to be GM. Right. Now all of a sudden there's a vertical chain. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think, like, death to the vertical chain. Yeah. Like, make that – Make that chain horizontal yeah. where people move um, – they move not necessarily up to a new position. They just get better compensated for what they already do. Right. Like if somebody is an amazing coach like you just said, why are you taking them out of the position to be a coach to be a manager? If right. somebody's your best bartender, why are you taking them out of that role – to then manage the other bartenders not as good as them. Right. Like that makes no sense to no me. No sense at all. So you have to continue to put these people in a position to thrive and just be better. Show them how much you value them more. Yeah. And that that's that's how you promote people. That's how you create that internal culture of people that are that are constantly growing. And you'll have just much happier employees that way too. Yeah. And um, that's another thing too is, you know, you have to – you have to want to have a place where your employees are valued and that they love coming to work. Mm-hmm. I've worked at places that I was not valued mm-hmm. and I knew that I was a good employee and I've left companies like that. And like that is just the number one thing that 
I am personally passionate about is making sure that the staff is, of course, like well compensated. It's hard to do that in this industry as far as like hourly stuff goes. Right. So you have to be creative and you have to be always coming up with ways to making sure that everybody knows how much you value them and how mm-hmm. much they, you value their input and how much you value them coming to work every single day. Yeah. So that bonus system that we had in place where it's truly, it's truly profit sharing. Like right. we share the profits with every single person who, who coaches here, whether it's twice a week or 25 hours per week. Yeah. Um, I just think, think that that's huge. It, it gets everybody to buy into that commitment. Everybody's part of that culture and on the same page. Yeah. And then all of your employees all of a sudden want to do everything that they can to make the whole experience better. It's like the toy, that Toyota dealership. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Um, so, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, answering why being education first, um, being a culture of commitment versus everything else. So, you know, how are some ways that we do that? That's, that's the question. You know, how are some ways you can take this for your business or your gym and better implement that type of system to keep people more engaged? Right. Um, first one is you got to find the right people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Find the right people. Um, I know we talk a lot about how we value, people over resumes. Absolutely. So that's like the complete opposite of like that star culture. Right. And that's not to say you hire unqualified people, but like you look for outcasts a little bit. You look for like the misfits, like people that are super knowledgeable, um, but that just have never been put into a position where they can lead and they can coach. Yeah. And I look at so many coaches that we've had that like we're not fitness coaches prior to being coaches at Performance 360. Yeah. And they have always been some of our best coaches. Like, yeah. For people at our gym listening, like – I think they'd be blown away to know that Julianne never coached fitness prior to two years ago. That's crazy. Like she was a yoga instructor. Right. And I'm not saying yoga is not fitness, but you know what I mean? And <laughs> you're going to get some shit for yeah, that. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's like she wasn't doing, people think she's like doing deadlifts her whole life, but I like know. she did this two years ago. And it's because you find those people that are absolutely on the same page as your culture and are committed to that. And it's not just lip service. That's just crazy. Even thinking about that. Like I never put that into perspective before that, like two fucking years ago, you know, she yeah. wasn't deadlifting and I mean, I don't know. She, what can she deadlift now? I don't know. A million, like yeah, three fifty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally three fifty. Um, but that's a good point. And like, that's why you have people experience this fast track to success. It's because they're com- they're, they're so in line with your culture and what you're doing. They believe in it so much that they absorb it and they take it on like almost like through osmosis. Right. Like it's just this speedy process where they're all of a sudden amazing at it because they care so much about it. Right. And if you go to the opposite side of the spectrum, if you hire somebody just based off their qualifications and resume, then you're going to get these people that aren't really there for the right reasons and they don't necessarily believe in your culture. And then you just have this like – kind of random person coming in just trying to relay what you what you envisioned basically it's not anything that they're a part of um and and that gets no buy-in so they may be great on paper but it's not going to translate into a better experience yeah absolutely it's you have to just build everything from your community and from your culture and it's why we've always had that process of like hiring from within right and but that doesn't mean that you don't hire from the outside like we've definitely done that before too, but you just have to make sure that that individual is just right, right in line with everything that you believe in. Yeah. And it's, it's a, 
Absolutely. Um, you just, if somebody is not going to be in line with your culture, like as tempting as it might be, like we've had like national weightlifting record holders apply to coach here and like, what a great problem it is to have to not hire those people. Right. But some people might be like, are you insane? Like, right. Why, why wouldn't you do that? You know? Yeah. But I mean, you can tell right off the bat whether somebody is at least generally a good fit. Um, and you know, we'll get resumes from people with outstanding certifications and a great resume and you know honestly like we don't even really write back other than thanks for applying you know unfortunately we don't have a position available or you interview them and it's just all about like their certs right right. and i'm like it's just like i i don't don't i don't care right like i don't care that you spent fifteen hundred dollars to put initials next to your name right what does that prove anybody can do that yeah it's like tell me about like what you love about coaching and like how many people that you've helped and like, what are your fitness philosophies and how are ways that, you know, what was your best day of coaching ever? And like, what did it mean to you? That type of stuff. Right. Um, so it's like, of course, base knowledge has to be there, but most importantly, like they have to be in line with your company's culture and your gym's culture. Um, and coaches who come up through the gym are always, are always that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so finding the right people and then also letting those people take the wheel. Um, once they have enough training in it to take the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, taking the handcuff off your staff, let them do their thing, let them run their show. You always have to be guiding it and you always have to be in a position of leadership, making the decisions like driving the brand, but letting people do their thing. And, and the, I, you know, I believe this is for you too, but that was definitely a hard thing to do at first was after we've been driving the ship for a couple of years to kind of let those coaches take over and run their own ship. Absolutely. It's like you're like, you see like your kid riding on the bike without training wheels for the first time. And like, you're standing back there. Like you want to run over and grab the bike so bad Right. when it's like, let them fall, get up and then do an amazing job from what they've learned. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just look at another example, like recently I had a coach who was like, Hey, I've noticed a situation in class where I feel like I need to say something to a member, um, that might be perceived in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I couldn't have answered fast enough. Like, don't ask, you do not need to ask me for this. Right. Like, if you feel this way and, like, as a person who's running that class and in a position of leadership, like, do your thing. Yeah. Like, you got to hire people that you trust 100% that are in line with your thinking, yet also independent enough to recognize that they need to be saying something that's somebody who might need to be brought in line a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then. I think the last thing is just always having like that two-way traffic flow mm-hmm. um, just with everybody in the gym. Like if you're the owner or the coach, like there's always that always that two-way communication where, you know, we've been around now for five years and we've reached a pretty decent level of success. Mm-hmm. And it'd be very easy for us to just not listen to any suggestions because right. like I'm going to be honest, like I think we know what we're doing. Right. And I think we're good at what we do. But – the second that you close yourself off from stuff, you stop growing mm-hmm. and you, you, you stop being better by people who are smarter than you in, in, in certain areas. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you look at now and you, uh, our coaches meetings, if you look at the difference from when we used to run them to now, like, you know, they're essentially led by our coaches and they're running ideas off of us. And a lot of them are really good ideas and some of them are, you know, not ideas that we're going to implement. Really stupid ideas. <laughs> Just kidding guys. Um, and so, you know, those ideas will either implement or if we're not going to implement them, you make sure to tell them why 
we're not going to implement them and, and basically empower them to continue to contribute to, to that growth and, and the whole gym getting better. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I know still like one of our biggest goals is to continue to foster that type of environment yeah. where, um, all, all those ideas are welcomed and we want people to bring any type of ways to make us better. Um, so that at those staff meetings, it's just constant betterment as opposed to just like status quo. And since we started doing that, the amount of kind of additional knowledge that I've learned from our coaching staff is enormous. Mm -hmm. Like every single meeting, I feel sometimes overwhelmed with like how much stuff I'm learning mm -hmm. and it's really fucking cool. Absolutely. So it all just boils down to that education, like whether or not you're a gym who's showing people how to deadlift and squat, or you're that coffee shop who is getting super specific with where the dark roast coffee came from. Education just flat out creates great internal culture. Well said, well said. And, uh, you know, if you guys have any questions about any of this stuff, uh, feel free to reach out and email us. Uh, my email is brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at perform-360.com, or you can email dave at dave at perform-360.com. Um, we've had a bunch of people already email us questions and just... Yeah, it's um, been kind of cool to see that, actually. Yeah, very cool. Suggest topics, kind of whatever. So uh, definitely feel free to do that. And guys, uh, don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes and leave a review. Uh, we really appreciate uh, all of those ratings we've already gotten. I think we're at like 45 or 50 or something like that. So uh, that stuff means a lot and really helps. So uh, definitely do that. Um, and we will see you guys next time.